Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Well, it's fantastic to welcome everyone to New Spring Church, especially um, for those who are watching online or even listening online. And um, I was just thinking this morning, I'd actually like to welcome winter back to summer, because for some reason, we should actually be expecting 35 degree days and 40 degree days, but it's just been stormy. It's been stormy in Perth. Can you believe it? (laughs) Well, um, this week, um, I've been listening and observing a sentiment which has been echoed all around the world, actually. It's kind of like this campaign um, voice that's been carried um, around the world, but it's also made its way here locally. And and it's kind of like this hashtag thing. It's called hashtag change the narrative. Has anyone heard that or change the story? Um, I was just like... You know, as you like just wander through Facebook and you stalk a couple of people and then you come back and you wander through that. I sort of saw this come up and and um, I was just looking at it and, and, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting uh, because I think there's been a change in our mindset, um, particularly in the Western world. It seems that we've come to terms with the fact that we may have individual stories that we live every single day, but our individual stories actually operate in the context of a greater narrative. In fact, long before we were even breathed and when we were born, we actually entered into this world in a story that's already going. And um, there's been this call around the world, especially in the U.S., obviously, and, and, and all that for people to actually stand up and, and try to tell their story, which is kind of different to the meta-narrative that seems to be on replay a lot. In fact, here in Armidale, um, this kind of campaign started because there was... Um, A story that happened in the media, um, which was along the lines of a really regular story that happens um, when it comes to Armadale. It was a story of despair. It was a a story of of, of crime and all that. And someone stood up, and we've got some politicians online as well, and, and they stood up and said, well, wait a minute. There's actually some other stories which are happening as well. How about we change the narrative? And that's kind of how the ball got rolling with this. And I was sitting in my office, I was watching this, and I was just smiling to myself. You know, no one else was around. And I just smiled to myself, and I was just thinking, and you know what I said? I said to myself, I said, self, they've almost got this right. They've almost got this right. You know, the world that wants to change a narrative by sharing stories that, that they bring to the full lives of people that have risen above the meta-narrative that seemingly seems to be on repeat in mainstream hearing, And then again, I said to myself, you know what, self? They've almost got it right. You see, the Christian life, the Christian church, the Christian mission is actually so much more simpler to execute than actually having a campaign that says, let's change um, the narrative. And um, that's where they've almost got it right. Because we live in a world, we live in a paradigm where the narrative actually has already been changed. Did you know that? In fact, 2,000 years ago, something happened which was so profound, so eschatological, it actually defined time, it defined generations, it defined nations, it actually defined human hearts. Something happened and God actually became king and he actually started a revolution that has already begun. The narrative's already started. Did you know that? Are you with me today? Are you going to be a bit feisty today? I love a feisty church. I don't like quiet churches. That's right. The narrative's actually 
already been changed. And, and God's actually invited us not to actually change the narrative. This is what he's invited us to do, okay? This is so cool. He's actually invited us to demonstrate that the narrative has been changed. He's invited us, he's called us to actually demonstrate that the kingdom of God is here. He's called us not just to sit on a nice little backside in a, in a thing, but to actually go out and be salt and be light and to demonstrate there's something so profound already has happened because let's be honest, if we actually had to go out and change a narrative that's a really hard undertaking, isn't it? To actually change something, but to actually come alongside someone who is bigger, who is wiser, someone who is God, who actually has the, the power to change things and say, I don't have to change things. I just have to demonstrate what he's already done. Well, that is actually the Christian mission that you and I who call ourselves children of God, that's what we're on. Have you heard that? Are you with me? Come on. <laughs> because there's no policy, there's no marketing strategy, there's no self-help guru that can completely change and transform the deepest part of a human heart. Only receiving the love of God can do that. Only the love of God can do that. And Jesus, when he was here with us, he actually said, go into the world and make. Go into the world and shape Go into the world and believe and pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go out into the world and show the world what has already taken place. And I submit to you that the only way that this world, the only way that Perth, the only way that Armadale is actually going to see that this, this narrative has been changed, that the story has been changed, is if the church of Jesus Christ actually gets about their father's business. If we stand up, if we walk out, and we go out and we say, we are going to demonstrate the kingdom of God in this world. It's the only way it's going to happen. That's what I truly believe. So with that in mind, I want to share... One of these virtues out of this current series, which is called Juice, that we've been going through. And the significance about this virtue, um, again, it's one of those virtues, like I'll say it and you'll think, oh, it's just that. Oh, why did I even get out of bed? But I guarantee you, this is the, like, this is the virtue that actually brings about the demonstration. This is the demonstration virtue. And um, you have your Bibles. We're just going to firstly read from Galatians chapter 5 again. A key passage of Scripture from verse 22. Um, Paul writes in and says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I reckon by this week you should be able to knock off all the other virtues that we've already done and kind of almost hazard a guess as to what we're going to talk about today. But what we're going to talk about today is actually brought to light in Jeremiah chapter 9. The scripture will come up on the screen. And this is what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast in their strength, or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast in this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness." justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. You see, if we really want to see the narrative change, if you really want to see a story change that's happening in society, if you really want to demonstrate the kingdom of God in this world, it's actually kindness that is the vehicle 
that's going to get the job done. It's only kindness that is actually strong enough and potent enough for us to go into the world and actually affect and actually bring about real transformation in lives, in hearts, in communities, in workplaces. Wherever you go, it's actually going to be kindness that does that. And what the Scripture says is that, that don't, don't boast in the other things you have. If you're rich, that's great, but don't boast in your riches. I mean, if you're really strong, that's fantastic, but don't boast in that. But boast in this, that you have understood what it means to know God. Have you ever noticed, like, you can understand something, but it takes a certain type of thinking and discipline to understand to know something. You can come to church and, like, get some understanding, but God says, Boast in this, that you've understood to know me. Not that you've understood all this other stuff, but you've understood to know me. And I wonder this morning, in your understanding of God, if kindness has kind of entered into that equation. I think there's some people out in the world who don't think God's kind. In fact, I've come across people who think that the idea of a kind Christian is an oxymoron. Have you come across any people like that? Yet, God says this, I express kindness. I am kind. And we as the church, that should be one of the key virtues that we work and we live out this thing of kindness in our life. What is kindness? Kindness is this. The kindness is the ability to serve others practically in a way that makes myself vulnerable. Kindness is different to envy, which means I'm jealous if other people do good. And kindness is not like this thing where I'm going to do all these great things so I get a pat on the back or some people take notice of me. Kindness isn't that. Kindness is actually a generous disposition towards other people. It actually has this view not to look in the mirror at yourself, but it's actually looking through windows and actually looking at the, the circumstances of other people and to practically go out and actually look at some of those needs and want to meet those needs. And today I want to share two reasons why kindness is a demonstration of God's kingdom. And it's absolutely going to blow your mind. Are you ready for it? It's going to blow your mind. It's going to, well, it's, it's going to blow your mind. First one is this. Kindness is a carrier. Kindness is a carrier. Now, there are times in my life where I um, go out or I do something and I don't have any cash on me. Is anyone like that? We've almost come to a point where we're like in this cashless society. And um, usually I'll be out with Andrea and, um, and I'll need like five bucks or ten bucks or something. And for some reason, she's always got cash. I don't have cash. I have cards. You know, I like plastic, plastic cards. She has like the, the cash, the plastic thing. And, uh, and I'll say to her, oh, oh babe, I, I need some cash. Have you got some cash? And what she does is that she goes into a handbag and she pulls out a purse and she hands me her purse. And I'm a really secure man because I can take that person, I can hold a person, I can own that purse, you know. Like, <laughs> but, like, she, she, she hands me, like, the purse. She doesn't hand me, like, the $10. She hands me the purse. And what actually happens is that she hands me the thing that is carrying the cash. And sometimes in life, well, a lot of times in life, we are in need of stuff. We need some things in our life. And what happens is that we are presented with something which looks completely different to what we asked for. Completely different. Have you ever been in that situation? Right? You know, Andrea, she was praying to God and she was asking for a millionaire. She's what she wanted. Good looking, big muscles, millionaire. That's what she, that's what she wanted. Guess what she got? She got a pastor, man. 
She got a pastor. But, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. She got what she needed, but it was packaged. What she was presented with was completely different to what she asked. And that can happen so many times. You know, we, we need education in our life, don't we? We need some education. We need some knowledge and all that. But guess what? Knowledge and education comes carried in these things called classrooms and lecturers and teachers and like all that boring stuff. But, but, but in order to actually get the knowledge, you actually have to look at what's, what's carrying it. You understand what I'm saying? That kind of thing. And that happens in life all the time. And, and one thing that, about this world is that this world desperately needs grace. This world desperately needs the kingdom of God. But all of that stuff comes carried in something. It comes carried in kindness. It's almost like if you've got someone in, in your world and they're broken or they're hurting or, or, or they're sick or if they're impoverished or something and they, and, and they cry out to God or they look around and say, man, I need this in my life. The thing that they're actually going to be presented it's not going to be like a purse, but the symbol's there, right? It's actually going to be, they're going to be presented with this carrier, which is called kindness. And I can show that to you in Scripture. We're going to be in Titus chapter 3. Why don't you firstly turn over there, Titus chapter 3. And this is one instance where this principle is actually shown. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says this, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared... He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He loved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, just keep that verse up there. I want you just to take note of the two words that are controlling this thought as is written. The two words are simply this. The first word is when, and the second word is appeared. When appeared. It's actually talking about a time frame here. It's almost saying that all this stuff that came after the event, grace of God, salvation, giving of the Holy Spirit, all this great stuff that we just live in just freely right now, it's saying there was a time when this was present, but there was also a time when this was absent. And the thing that actually brought this about was the appearance of kindness. See, when kindness came to the fore, God's kindness, these things came. God's kindness. There's another instance, there's a, there's a lot of them, but another instance is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. And this talks about what we have to look forward to. And it says from verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of of his grace, get this, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Expressed in his kindness, right? If we seriously want the world to know, experience, and touch, and taste the grace of God, guess what? It comes in kindness. It comes in kindness. It's not to come in any other way. I was chatting with... Um, one of my good mates, um, pastor on Friday morning. Friday morning, we went out and had coffee. And um, was talking about his church, and they do some great stuff with the community. Um, and they, and they um, have a church in a very similar um, um, situation to us in Camelo. Um, they're they're um, 
the socioeconomic landscape is, is quite dire. And, and he was just like sort, of, like sort of pouring his heart out to me. And he, he was saying, you know, what? I find it really difficult because we've been doing this for like a couple of years now. And, and I have people in my church who are like kind of saying, um, oh, well, why do we keep on doing this? Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And, and like he says, it's almost like this exhaustion to keep the church continually just to be generous and to look after the poor and to feed the poor and, and all that. And, and, and he was thinking, this is actually getting difficult for us as a church. Have you got any wisdom, Dave? And I said, no, because you're wiser than me. But what I did say to him is that kindness is the vehicle that expresses the grace of God. If we have any hope of this world knowing the grace of God, it is going to mean that there are going to have to be Christians who step out of their comfort zone and express and extend themselves to show kindness. Because kindness is almost like that wallet, you know, it may not be exactly what they ask for, but inside of that wallet is exactly what they're asking for. As it's open, as it's expanded upon, that's what's open. Jesus said something like this. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Kingdom of God is like a farmer goes and sows a seed. And this particular farmer, he sows seed everywhere, doesn't he? In the good ground, in the dry ground, in the, in the weeds, in the stony ground, and all that. And we sometimes want to look just for the good ground. So I'm going to wait for good ground, and I'm going to like sort of sow it there. And Jesus is like, well, actually, this farmer sows it everywhere. But the principle is this. The kingdom of God comes about by sowing. Sowing, deeds of kindness, a kind word, a kind gesture. The day that we stop showing kindness in this world is the day that God's grace is not seen in this world. See, kindness is so important. It's a carrier of, the, of God's grace. It's actually a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And isn't it amazing what happens when someone experiences kindness? Have you ever experienced some kindness in your life? Have you ever been going along your way and, and you've just been all by yourself, you feel isolated, and all of a sudden someone comes and shows you just a little sliver of kindness that changes your heart like nothing else, doesn't it? It absolutely changes you. It changes everything because kindness is a thing. It's a carrier. It's a carrier. So I wonder if you've got a, a troublesome family member at the moment. You know, has anyone got them? Every family got them? Good. An angry employer, a nasty neighbor. Maybe you're dealing with an ex and they're just like really being vindictive at the moment. And you look at that and, and, and you, can, you can feel the attack. You can feel their front. And, and if you think about it a little bit more deeply, you would say, you know, this person needs the grace of God. This, God needs God. this person needs God to intervene. Somehow, God, how are you going to get to this person? Well, the carrier of God's grace, the carrier of God's kingdom is going to be kindness. And our response has to be kindness. Because as we respond in kindness... The kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. I mean, Christianity is simple, isn't it? But hard. Because there are some people, man, I just do not want to be kind to you. It's like, I would rather punch you in the face and be kind to you right now. And that's where I need the grace of God. It, you laugh. Is anyone else? Am I the only person here who feels that? Everyone? <laughs> John Wesley had this rule for his life. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. You see, there is no policy. There is no silver bullet. There is no government that has the power and potency to change a human heart. That is only the love of God. 
Only God will change a heart. And the way that God's love will reach a person is if his church, if his children, if the bride of Christ is mobilized and uses this vehicle of kindness. We must simply be kind. And if we are kind, we will change the narrative. If we are kind, we will see a demonstration of this story. If we are kind, we will do it. And um, I say kindness where we need the grace of God sometimes. So that's the first thing about kindness. The second thing about kindness is that kindness wins hearts. It wins hearts. It wins hearts over. You can't try to manipulate a heart, but kindness will win a heart. And if you've given your life to Jesus, you actually do know this. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? See what I like that word repentance? That word repentance is actually a really beautiful word because what it means is that I'm kind of heading in this direction and I get told you're going the wrong direction, so I turn around in my mind and my actions and I actually move in the other direction. But what seems to have happened is that this word repentance has turned into a bit of an ugly, nasty, almost vindictive word where we've had um, people who may have had genuinely good hearts, they shout things like turn or burn and things like that. When really, if I'm going and I'm heading off into a, a cliff, it, it's actually quite nice of someone to say, Dave, you're about to like go off the cliff, why don't you turn around? It's like, oh, that's great. And that's actually what repentance is. But notice how Scripture would say that it's not God's anger that is actually going to lead to repentance. It's actually His kindness. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. See, this gospel is motivated by love, not fear. As soon as we try to fear people or, or, or put fear into the equation, that's actually not, um, that, 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 that's not the, the, the ethic of the gospel. The ethic of the gospel is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And God says that it's actually my kindness that will lead you to repentance. It's actually God with his patience and his tolerance and his wooing and, and his coming alongside. And, and sometimes, you know, he's like, oh. And then let, let, I'll be honest, there are times where I have been so stubborn that I have, um, like there's been, it's, it's outworked where I've been a bit damaged and hurt. But that was my own doing because I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what Scripture said, but I continued to go in this course of action and I got damaged. But that's not God's fault. That was my fault. That was my fault. Um, just yesterday, um, Jackson um, was on his, he's got this little beetle with wheels on and like to, he loves to just like go around the house and he goes, skids around the corners. He had this idea that um, he wanted to do that outside. And um, we've got a bit of a hill, right? Hill. And um, he's a little boy, so guess what he wanted to do? He wanted to go down that hill, you know? So he, um, he did. He went down that hill. He didn't have any shoes on, um, even though we tell him, you know, you should actually have some shoes on when you go outside. Um, but he raced down that hill. I thought it would go fast. I didn't expect it to go this fast. It went so fast. And I could see in his eyes, there was just this, his eyes just went, whoa, fear. And he tried to put the brakes on with his feet, and he like almost toppled over. And I was at the bottom just to make sure, like, like he's, and he said, and, and so I went and I stopped him. And he, and he goes, whoa. And he says, I hurt my feet. 
And I said, well, I'd tell you to put your shoes on, didn't I? But that kind of happens with us sometimes, isn't it? God tells us just to do these certain things, and he's not a killjoy because he's actually come to give us true life. He wants us to live life to the full. But I know in my own life, I continue to go down this, this train, this train of thinking or this, this course of action, and I get damaged. Or I get like sort of, and, 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 and I come to my senses like, I actually did that to myself. But God didn't do that to me. And sometimes we find ourselves in life situations and life circumstances because we've taken this course of action. And that's where this word repentance is so beautiful because when you find yourself in that particular place, and no doubt all of us will at some stage, okay? No one in this room is perfect, okay? If you are, maybe you should come and preach, I don't know. But whenever you find yourself in that place where it's like, oh my goodness, I'm actually damaging myself here, the word repentance actually means just to change direction of your heart and your action and you start walking in a different direction. Now, how many of you know, if you find yourself in a swamp, and you find yourself like you're in the middle of that swamp, and then you find yourself, okay, I'm going to turn around and walk out of the swamp. It may take you a couple of days. It may take you a couple of months to get out of the swamp, but eventually you'll get out of it if you continue along that action. But it's actually God's kindness that lets us know, man, you're heading in the wrong direction. What are you doing? You, you keep on, like, how many times are you going to go around this same mountain? You need to get out of this situation. You need to get out of this scenario. It's God's kindness that lets us know. And then it's up to us if we will actually turn around and we'll start walking in the ways of God. Okay? But kindness wins hearts. It wins hearts. How does God intend to win the hearts of this world? Well, exactly the same way he won your heart by showing his love, by showing his kindness. How is the world going to see the kindness of God? By his church being kind. You know, after this um, service, we're going to have our Welcome to New Spring Church um, session. And I'm going to go through um, just the personality and values and all that. Our second value is that we unleash compassion. And um, that might sound a little bit weird to some people, but basically that value is our one and only strategy in this world as this church, to unleash compassion. Because what it means is that the way the world is going to see God's love is if we demonstrate God's love in this world. That's what it means. So if you come in here during the week or if you have a chat with one of us and you you have a friend or or if you... um, um, yourself are in a, in a situation that's, that's, that's really tough, you can expect that we will, with all of our might, we will unleash kindness and compassion. Because we truly believe that as people experience the kindness of us as a community, as New Spring Church, they will see the love of God. That's why we do that. That's one of the things about being part of our church. When you sign up to be part of our church, you're signing up and saying, yeah, I'm going to unleash compassion. I'm going to be kind to people. I'm going to love people. Um, and that's what we do. Is that okay? I don't know if you've ever um, watched Les Mis. We went to, um, um, when we, we, we were in London at some time, and we went to um, the theatre and watched it. It was phenomenal. But in that story, Victor Hugo tells of... Um, Jean Van Jean, 
whose only crime, he was thrown in jail, but his only crime was um, the theft of um, some bread to feed his family, um, his starving children, um, his sister's children, actually. And after serving 19 years, um, he was released, but because he'd been in jail, he couldn't actually go and find a job. No one wanted to employ him. And he found himself in um, the house of an old bishop. And um, he yielded to temptation, and he actually, one night, he stole um, from that bishop. He sold um, silver plates, and he slipped out of the house, but he was pretty soon caught, um, and he was brought um, to face the bishop. And at that moment, the bishop said um, to the officer, well, um, he hasn't stolen from me at all. He actually, I gave him um, these plates. And he said, and Jean, you forgot to take the candlesticks. And the story of that is that Jean was so astounded with this kindness that that kindness was the one moment that brought about his salvation. It was a little deed of kindness, but it changed his entire life in that story. And time and time again, I've seen that happen in a person's world. That the way they come to meet Jesus, the way they are intrigued, is that someone, somewhere, has actually gone out and shown some kindness to them. Those stories happen all the time through the life of this church. You know, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we... we we, we hand out hampers, and um, they go to people that we may never see. But I know there's been so many stories that they've gone to places, and there have been tears, because we don't know the whole story, but for some reason that hamper went to a house or to a family, and they were in such dire need, and at that moment it was just a little, it was just a little gesture of kindness. A little gesture of kindness. On Tuesdays, we do a seniors lunch over here. And um, I'll be honest, on Tuesdays, it can be on, right? And we have, and in all honesty, we have a lot of stuff that gets stolen on Tuesdays as well, right? That comes part and parcel with being a messy church. Um, that's who we are. And um, it's just like this tension. And, like, and they come and all that. And, and you can almost get a little bit cynical and think, oh, is this doing any good? Is, is anything coming about? But... Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer goes and sows a seed. A seed is so small, it's so insignificant, but it can grow to be something so phenomenal. Who knows where their lives are going to end? But by us as a church, just sowing a little bit of kindness, a nice word, a smile, a hamper, a piece of fruit, just coming alongside and say, how you doing? It can change so much. We had youth on Friday night and um, Jaden, was Jaden somewhere He's left the church. <laughs> he got up, he preached. And um, this amazing youth team, they did a phenomenal job. I was just here to rock up and just like to make sure no bad guys came and all that. Um, but these guys did it and they did a phenomenal job. You know, Jaden was like, sent a message about this young kid inquiring about Jesus. Why? Because these youth leaders showed some kindness. You don't know where a word or a gesture or an action will go, but all we do know is that it's just a seed, and that seed will grow somewhere sometime. It'll grow. I think it's funny. I was talking to um, um, another pastor. I've got a lot of pastor mates because we just hang out together. I was talking to this pastor. In, um, he was in the ACC movement, and we were talking about, like, altar calls and all that. And um, I said, isn't it funny that we go and we do a message, and uh, if we ask, like, People will raise their hand and give their life to Jesus. And then we can walk away saying, man, I just preached and a hundred people gave their heart to the Lord. When the reality is, if that happens, that's amazing. But you need to understand, you were only there at the harvest, but someone else planted the seed. Someone in hiddenness 
planted the seed. And because someone in hiddenness planted a seed, who knows what it was? It could be a praying mum. It could be a little old lady. It could be, be a little teenager who just said a word. But someone somewhere planted a seed, and that seed grew. And at some point, they accepted Jesus Christ, and that was a harvest point. But that journey started all the way back there. And sometimes I think we look for this moment over here, and we despise this moment here. But if we are disciplined to actually invest into this moment, this moment, I actually don't care where that moment happens. I don't care where it happens, you know. If it happens in another church, in another country, fantastic. But if we are disciplined and if we are engaged and if we are excited about planting here, somewhere, that stuff's going to happen. But the way we plant is through kindness. It's kindness. It's how the kingdom of God comes. It's how the kingdom has grown. And it's how the world has changed. And the thing that should really take the weight off us is that we don't need to change the narrative. The narrative's already been changed. We just need to go and demonstrate that the narrative's changed. And if we can be faithful in demonstrating the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is here, if we can go out and if we can serve and we can love and we can show compassion, the world will be changed. In Jesus' name.